doing? I'm great, thanks. How are you? Very well. And you were, we've just established you were not in the Fast and the Furious screening that had the uh, COVID scare. No, I was in the, another Fast and Furious screening in an entirely different city in an entirely different week. Phew. I dodged that bullet. Load off, yes. Um, hey, shout out to everyone that is currently in lockdown. It sucks. So, Don't we know? Um, yeah. Sort your shit out, federal government. Get everyone vaccinated. Uh, what's going on with you, Dave? Anything exciting? No, I mean, I don't think we've done anything since Good Beer Week, have we? Um, no, you, you've got a fire pit since then, I've heard. Right. Fire pit. I've got a smoker. Just lighting wood on fire just for my own enjoyment with the drop of a hat now. Are you like, oh, I kind of don't really care if we go back into lockdown because I am sorted? <laughs> what else do I need? I've got a fire yep. pit and a smoker. Um, yeah, I mean, I prefer not to. I prefer to just um, make my own decision to do it um, yep. with the option of going out if I so desire. But yeah, fire pit, man, that rules. Except I like literally got, uh, I made myself feel sick. This hair just holds all the smoke. And later on that night, I was like, it was in my face. And I was like, I'm going to vomit, I think. This sucks. Uh, so so what are you, you going to do about that? Different hair products or a new haircut? I don't know, Steph. Steph did a um, she did a uh, a beanie hood combo and got out relatively unscathed. So I might give that a go next time. I thought I was okay. bulletproof. I'm obviously not experienced enough in the arts of long hair to know what the what what what, what the go is. Can I suggest a Peter Fitzsimmons style bandana? I would do that in a heartbeat. Okay, for great. sure. Great, I'm glad you're on board. I don't um, know. You've got a beer in your glass. There is. Yeah, I'm drinking uh, La Chouffe. Whoa, holy hell. This is still on your Belgian what? kick. How's how's Chou? I haven't had Chou for years. It's exactly what I want. Like, oh, man. it's just the least sickly sweet Belgians with enough a little, like, complexity. Because I really, I have gone through this Belgian kick and, like, everything's just too, everything's too sweet. And But this, this isn't. This is, like, the perfect little sweet spot for me. Excellent. No pun intended. Exactly. Yeah. Um, uh, and it's great. It's great. Yeah. Now I'm about to open a mead of all things. Perfect. Um, we haven't talked about mead on the show since our Five episode. Five years ago, was it? Um, where we did the Kvike mead with Hunter and the Harp Meadery. Yeah. Uh, which were a lot of fun and that was a really good chat. And Dave, you wouldn't believe it, but I'm holding a Kvike traditional mead in my hand right now uh, from Erosion Meadery. And we've got Sean Johnson joining us. Sean, how are you? Hey guys, how are you? Good. Sean Johnson from Erosion Meadery. I didn't yes. actually say where you were from. Just <laughs> yeah, like Erosion Meadery. We've, oh, Erosion Mead, sorry. You've got Meadery on the can. It does for now. Okay. <laughs> got so you, change. you got him, Luke. Nice. Yes. <laughs> we'll, we'll always be a Meadery first regardless. So. Yeah. And I also spelled Kvike wrong. I before E. Then different language. You know. Don't you know the rule? I before E except after K. Or Norwegian language. Or before yeah. K. <laughs> Um, Sean, uh, uh, before we spoke, I'm just going to open this quickly. Before we uh, st- recorded, I said to you, I've been watching Erosion from a distance, but I admittedly don't know a heap about Erosion. Um, so I'm really glad you reached out and, and, and sort of offered us uh, your time for a chat. Um, tell us how and why you make mead. And just before you do, Sean, are you aware that Luke and I, maybe six years ago, tried to establish ourselves as the experts in mead in the country? It didn't get very far, but... Uh, was that mead of the time? 
no sort it, was of. A... it was it's called australian meat and we yeah. accessed what we could to try and learn everything and that amounted to not a great deal to be quite honest so um it was yeah difficult to get on the bleeding edge of mead when we couldn't really get our hands on any it wasn't really yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah, there it wasn't was, um, one more, yeah, for a long time, and only one style, really. Yeah, the, the I've still got one in my cellar from the Tasmanian one, and their name escapes me right now. Um, they make really gorgeous mead. That or Liverwood honey one. Oh, I can't uh, think of it right now. I'm going to quickly <laughs> Google it. Uh, I think not seven, not, um, is it Seven Sheds? No. Not Seven no. Sheds, no. No, the, I think that one you might be talking about might not, may, may no longer exist. Oh, well. Okay then. So yeah, uh, Sean, how how and why? What's this? So I was in IT and needed a hobby. It was this or photography. Um, <laughs> so I bought the camera and still did this. Um, <laughs> then sold the camera as well. But uh, basically, I needed a hobby. You know, I was getting a bit bored, not just you know doing IT stuff all the time. Um, yeah, working with one of the big fours. It's really really hard to get away from my tea. Mm. Um, so yeah, I always interested in brewing, um, like beer and that sort of stuff. And I went, all right, fine. And then my wife said something about mead one day and I'm like, of course, just like everyone else, what, what is that? And then she, I think she was reading Game of Thrones or something, something, you know, one, you know, where you'd find out about that information. And, you know, I played Skyrim and all those other games where there are meaderies in it. Um, but it never clicked. Um, and I was also on the cusp of moving away from continually just drinking normal lagers and everything else to craft beer. Um, so I basically started making mead. I made the one that everyone makes, Joe's Ancient Orange. Um, I, didn't that, use, is... I didn't use bread yeast, though. I used a wine yeast. Can you talk um, to us about Joe's Ancient Orange for a bit? Because I... That's the first time I've really heard of it. It's the recipes. The basic recipe is bread yeast, oranges, sultanas, honey, water, and it's usually in a glass demijohn. Sorry, carboy, not mm. demijohn. Could no other way around. Anyway, <laughs> um, and you know, put an airlock on it and just let it ferment, and then sit there and watch it because it's so amazing watching something bubble from nothing. You know. Um, and then proceed to put that into bottles and then forget about it. Um, but then I had already got the bug from brewing. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to make everything. And then I made some wines that went weird. I was then banned from brewing in the house. Um, you know. Good weird or bad weird? Uh, you know, just smell like farts. It's a, it's a sulfur character. It's a learning the process of why is that doing that? And that, that, that's probably actually re- one of the biggest things in meat making is, why is there that, that, that smell, that sulfur? Because there's nutrient deficiencies and that's what was happening in the wine that I was making. Um, anyway, we made the, made the wine, didn't really go as planned. So I went, okay, and I'm not one to just forget something and keep going and, and ignore it. I'll just keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going until I get it to where I want it to be. Um, so I joined the West Coast Brewers, home club here in WA um as the web admin well i joined for uh, and the first meeting was about yeast and it was covered by a one of the uni professors here about microbiology i was like hang on what did i just stumble into i should have gone to uni um, but that held me there and i then joined as a web admin and over the years 
progressively forced my meat upon everyone in that club um, and, and progressively increased my mead knowledge and my brewing knowledge. And along the, along the way, we had a lot of, um, we had a, we actually had a, because we're in WA, we had a lot of Americans over here. And one of the people who worked for um, one of the oil companies was a grandmaster or a master BJCB judge. So learned massive amounts from him. Um, and he was also keen on the mead and all that sort of stuff. So we continued making all these meads in the club and I was pushing it and we then ran it for the first time in, I think it was 2015 or 2014, uh, ran our competition with mead in there as a competition piece as well. Um, and we had a bunch of entries. I won, but it's not really, you know, there's, everyone knows who won. So it's, well, I don't really call that a win, but. It, you won the short job. It is what it is, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but like, I'm like, there's something to this anyway. And I just kept making it, kept going. I then became president of the club. I'd done most of the positions except for treasurer. Um, did all the others um, and pretty much got around the, the brewing industry in Perth, really. Um, Artisan Brewing, I dealt with Brian quite a lot. Um, and we, he's the one we did our first collaboration with to justify the reason to actually start a meadery. Um, that was making the beer to meal um, that we made. Um, uh, former guests, Artisan and, and Dave, you're a big fan of their beers, aren't you? Huge fan. Artisan. At, uh, mm. at Frio Beer Fest two or three years ago, I really like bothered Brian for an hour and a half. I Everyone like, bothers Brian. Man, like he was so like he was so happy to talk about everything, but like, man, at one of those like like stinking hot day outdoor beer festivals, just to come across like twelve stylistically immaculate beers. I mean, I don't even really know if that's a good thing on that kind of day. Like, give me a pale lager, please. None like, of them were below, sorry, above 6%. Like, they were just stunning. Sorry, above, sorry, like, they're all above, sorry. Yeah, but just beautiful, just stunning. Anyway, I'm a huge fan. Um, I still cool. haven't tasted the beer, so I'm still, still keen oh, to. Have, have a taste of the mead. Oh, no, sorry, ta- ta- tasted his beers. Uh, oh, I've yeah, been drinking awesome. this mead while you've been talking. It's, uh, um, it's delicious. Can you take me back just for a, a brief yep. period, um, Sean? When, like, when you did you have any experience in home brewing or anything like that? No, no. So I started in two thousand and nine, basically. Okay, all right. Um, so you, like trying to make meat. That's when I started everything. Yeah. Yeah, and was that like at that time? Was it with the view to make something no. of it, or just no. a, just a hobby? Just started as a hobby, but then when I got into the the West Coast Brewers and started running the club and getting into it that way, that's when I'm like. I, you know what? Just like every home brewer, I want yep. to start my own brewery. I want to start my own meadery in this case. Did you think how, like, how no one's do doing this, so why not this? Like, was that an extra little push? Or did you well, think, like, is there a reason why no one else is doing it? There's a couple of other things there, right? So everyone kept going on about you can't make good mead with eucalyptus honey. And why? Like, nah, that that's what's going uh, flavor profile point of view? Is no, that all it is? no, no. I just think it's people who have no idea how to ferment had caused problem, had had bad ferments, and they just made bad meat. Simple as right. that. Right. Therefore, um, eucalyptus honey. Yeah. A lot of a lot of those sort of um, myths came from the US, from what I gather. Um, for instance, um, in the book uh, "Brewing uh, Designing Great Beers" by Ray Daniels, the on page thirty four, there's a table that says, "Do not use eucalyptus honey." 
in the adjunct section. I see. Literally says it, don't use it. Right. Um, but from some of the conversations I've had, it seems like there may have been like honey that's been doctored with eucalyptus oil or something in the past. That may have been possibly part of the issue. But anyway, the, you know, I saw this and went, no, hang on. That, you, you can make good honey. You can make good mead with Australian honey. So that, that um, Joe's Ancient Orange, I used red gum honey and it tasted great. I, you know, my palate wasn't that great back then. It's a lot, way, hell of a lot better now. Um, and I did taste it maybe two or three years ago because um, there was one bottle left and I was surprised it didn't have an infection. That's all I can say. <laughs> um, but it still tasted really nice and easy to drink at 14%. So sorry, did you say that was a 2009 Joe's yeah, Ancient no. that you tried? So it was a 2009 one I had a couple of years ago. I yeah, I nice. Had um, I had the last bottle and it was, it was yeah. So do you Didn't think that anything, in that, so cool. um, whatever, eight years or whatever it was, um, or more than that now, I guess, um, do you think your palate had developed over that time where you could, like, did it mean anything? Like, when you tasted that? Yeah, it meant heaps, yeah. But, um, yeah. So over that period of time, like, from the day when I made it to when, you know, I was starting this, starting the metery journey, the whole, I'd gone through multiple years of beer, like BJCB judging, judging states, judging nationals, doing peripheral beer show, all that sort of stuff. So, and, and a lot of, um, you know, uh, all the, uh, what's it called? The, doing all the uh, off-flavour tastings and... Yeah. To get just basically building my palate knowledge of everything that I'm tasting, particularly in beer at that time, um, but also mead as well because I'm making mead. So I've, I've made wild meads. I've made 100% Brett meads. I've made just uh, lacto cultures, sort of two different cultures, like the, uh, the ones that do alcohol, the ones that don't, just to see what I'm getting because there's really no information, particularly even off Australian honey. Um, I'm also, uh, so as, as a part of that whole thing, I met Steve Kirby out of uh, Goulburn, Victoria, I think New South Wales, um, who's run Stone Dog um, Meadery. He's also in the homebrewing scene, does a lot of beer and that sort of back in the day, and that was before he started. I met him in Canberra for the homebrewing conference. Um, and that, you know, we, we talked a lot about meat and we, we, he started the Aussie Mead Makers page. I joined as an admin and then from then on we grew the, the group for just mead making in Australia. Uh, Joel then joined as an admin as well. So we've been admins since 2015-ish, uh, 2016. Uh, sorry, 2014, that, sorry. That's a Facebook page? Facebook page, yeah. It's about yeah. 2,500 members right now. Um, wow. Really? Yeah. And it's wow. growing. Like, is there a big like uh, home brew mead scene that we don't know about? Well, the thing, yeah, it would be because a lot of those people aren't from the brewing scene. Yeah. They're coming from apiary backgrounds or beekeepers, they're um, winemakers, or they just they just like to laugh and dress up and do that, and they want to do mead that way. You know? Yeah, right. Okay. But I, so I it's was like a whole different subgroup of people that yeah. would join that. They want um, to have a of mead. Yeah, right. Well, they have a turkey leg. I get it. Okay. Then you I, have I was going to say larpers. But I didn't think, I thought that would come across like I was being mean about LARPers when really, genuinely, I thought that would be a big subculture within mead. So I'm glad you said it, not me. Well, it, it is. Um, traditionally, a lot, of these, a lot of these people, I guess I'm putting them in a generic bubble here, they all like the higher alcohol, sickly sweet meads. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I, you know, I, 
I like my, well, I like my beers, right? So I like the craft beers, I like sours, I like everything. Um, but I could never understand why mead wasn't done low alcohol. So for the longest time, I've just been making everything sub 10%. Um, and then and I've got a lot of Belgian yeast and uh, like USO5, those sort of yeast, they're fine. Um, hopped meads, that sort of thing. Our first release was Land of Hops and Honey. That was um, just uh, Cascade, Azaka and Mandarina Bavaria hop. Just a dry hop, no a summarization. Um, so it's just hop character, hop, fl- hop flavor, hop character, but no bitterness or low, very low bitterness. And then hop, uh, sorry, honey florals and ha- like honey sweetness coming through on the palate at 5%. Hmm. Um, but hmm. yeah, it's, uh, just sorry, I've gone off track again. Uh, but going back to you know where I started, the when I was president of the West Coast Brewers, I was also on the, the state delegate for um, home brewing. So I pushed mead into that space and made it national and pushed it nationally. Like I was sort of a lead on getting people, forcing people to agree with me, basically. Um, and we made that a thing in 2015. So the guidelines had mead in there permanently. Um, it's still going from what I gather. I haven't really looked for a little bit. Um, but part of the whole mead make, Aussie Mead Makers page is to actually make it grow, right? Um, but yeah, as we're doing this, I've been like, okay, we'll, we'll start the meadery. And then just went, all right, I'm quitting IT. I'm <laughs> and just went straight into it. Um, so this is your job now? It has been since 29, uh, 2019. In Great. November, yeah. Just before COVID. Because yeah, one, <laughs> <laughs> one of the questions was going to be, uh, what's the market um, for me now? Cause, um, I have to build it. Yeah, because yeah. there's so many yeah, hurdles, right? right? Because there's a joke between me and my um, CFO about uh, the next business will be called red, br- uh, sorry, uh, red tape and brick walls. <laughs> so what do you mean by like what's the red tape that you're running into that might be different to say a brewery? What's made? How do we? How do you do it? How do you make? You know, how do people understand it? It's a lot of the problems with mead is getting liquid on lips, right? Because people don't know what it is. They're expecting a sickly sweet 14% spiced mead. I remember one of the comments on Untapped, and I love Untapped, and this this was made me made my day when I saw it. Looks like someone forgot the spices, was the comment. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I made it. Someone's <laughs> done it. One of those Untapped ratings on for me. <laughs> so... Is, um, it, just is, is it Maxwell's that one that's that commonly found? Uh, Maxwell's in, is the one that's in all Dan Murphy's media. In all Dan Murphy's, yeah, right. And that's very sweet. And there's like a regular and a spice. And that's very, very sweet and very heavy on the spice. So yeah. I can imagine why the baseline is well, I mean, people to very spicy. Yeah. Effectively, they had the market for 60 years. Yeah, right. Um, and the other one that's in those it was, stores... That was the first mead that I had, so yeah. Yeah, uh, the other mead in those stores is Doringa, which is made by them, which started by them as well. Oh, I've never even seen that. So, yeah. um, um, I just brought up the Tasmanian one that I was thinking of. I found it on a great website called Australian Mead, Mountain View Meadery. Yeah, right, I remember that. Um, they, I don't, their website's no longer up, but I found them on Untapped. There are two ratings, both of both from me. <laughs> <laughs> um, I gave them fours and it was 2014 and yeah, I'm, I'm yeah, pretty sure it's the leatherwood I've still got in the cellar and um, I'm, I still really want to drink it. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd love to use leatherwood, but, you know, I'm in WA. 
Sure. What, um, what's, I've seen uh, some American meteries use. But I'm in WA. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, right. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so, so that's the thing. Thing. <laughs> like, What do you have, like, the availability for at the moment? In WA in for honey? Yeah. Um, oh, there'll be mixed wildflower, like, mixed blossom sort of stuff. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of like, um, gum honeys. My favorite is red gum honey. It's like the best. Um, the, so Normie's got a lot of red gum in it. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a southern forest wildflower one, um, but it's a lot of red gum in there. Um, I want to, to use Jarrah so bad. <laughs> it's so Why? Talk to us about Jarrah. Well, no one's done it. Well, people have done it, but not in a commercial scale. Like home no more. Like, That's the best reason to, make, to, to do it. Like, Honestly, half the reason I do everything. Yeah. Um, I, apart from this, Normie, Normie was an argument on the internet. Um, <laughs> Again, that's the second best reason to do anything. Yeah. I was told that so, I couldn't make a good session made in two weeks. This was done in one. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So, talk us through, um, like, you know, when it comes to saying you want to use Jara honey, the the flavour of that is, how does that come through the honey? That's you know, my understanding is the bees get the pollen from particular plants in the area and then that creates different flavours of the honey. Is yeah, that and then they throw so it up. Far? They throw it up, yep. And then we take it after, so the, in next, my, after the next has been dried. I think in my mind and in like cartoons and stuff, it's just attached to their legs and they just shake it all off. But that's not true, is it? No, I'm not a beekeeper. That's, that's okay. what the beekeeper does. So that's the other thing about us. Like every other meadery, they're beekeepers first usually, or they're a winery doing meads for a beekeeper. We're a meadery. We buy our honey just like breweries buy their malt. So we, we select our honey from the stock that the apiarist has available, and we then get a 1.3 ton IBC rock up. <laughs> or is it hard to get the honey? Is it hard to get the honey out of? Is it hard to get honey out of a jar? Uh, generally, you... if it's warm to about thirty degrees, it's fine. You can just yeah. pour it out um, or pump it out. Um, so, use barrel spears, those sort of things. They're very, they're very helpful. Um, having the pump that I have that gets absolutely hammered, <laughs> especially with honey, because um, yeah. effectively when we make these batches, we're doing a twenty heck batch or you know two thousand liter batch, um, and it's about two hundred kilos of honey. So, and it's just honey or honey and water? It's honey, water, and whatever other product. So this one's just honey, water. So normie is honey, water, yeast, and nutrients. And that's purely. I mean, there's other processes there, but like if I give everything, then everyone's going to know. We're all going to be expert mead makers, yeah. Um, But that's all adjusted to what your parameters of the mead, the final product. Yeah, so I just design the mead the same way I design a beer. So what do you think is the, like, do you have a, like a sweet spot target range for an ABV that you think you're carving the path for? Uh, most of our meads are in that six, five to 6% range. Yeah. And that's, that's yeah. sort of the sweet spot for our core range, right? Yeah. Um, but then we'll go mental and other things. Sure. All right. <laughs> so, now, how, I can only imagine that this is like beer from 12 to 15 years ago where you've just got to get in front of people how hard yeah, is that it's exactly that and how hard is that to do with me um <laughs> most comments are what meat okay <laughs> all right that's 
You're a bakery? Yes, I'm like, I make biltong. Uh, <laughs> um, that's one of the comments and, and you find this on a lot of mead podcasts this is a common theme there's that or no honey's really? too sweet that's um, a common theme people go oh, from meaderies yeah yeah because right. because i don't know it's how it's said maybe um i don't know the australian accent makes it sound like meadery um that's not a thing though but, um no no exactly <laughs> um yeah, anyway, so leave it alone. then obviously, sorry, when we started the metery, Kavike became very popular, what well, was becoming very popular. So I got a whole heap of strains of that and played with that. And just at the same time, Joel was playing with it, funnily enough. So we had a little discussion about that sort of stuff. Was that how you crushed the two-week challenge? Oh, of course. In fact, all of, in fact all of our meads, bar two, have been fermented with Kavike. And mostly, all of them have been fermented with Voss. Okay. The one that all what? the brewers hate. <laughs> Do you, can you explain why brewers hate it and why it works for mead? Uh, a Do lot of know? them uh, mentioned something about like a Voss twang or like a, a weird yeast character. Um, it's all how the yeast needs to be treated. That's all I'll say. <laughs> got, to, got to treat your yeast right. Yeah. Yes. Um, so, like, Normie's the only one in that range that is a different strain of Kawaii. So, I just had half a can of Normie. Uh, incidentally, my old cat was called Norm. We'd call him Normie. So, <laughs> shout out to Norm. Uh, oh, Normie. It was, it's really good. Really, can you, um, uh, really... Give, can you give us a brief rundown of what your flavor profile is? Well, I just poured the other one and I'm tasting that. So, let me have a swig oh, of okay. uh, Normie yeah. to Go back to, to Normie just briefly. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, almost um, sweet uh, or tart apples, um, like a really, a really good, like maybe red delicious apple. Is that that's not a bad thing, is it? In mead? No, here I'm thinking a settled out I'm like, that's not in there. No, not not <laughs> no, a settled out no, Wrong. Okay, let's see what else is going um, up here. Yeah, I, and I'm 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 sensitive to acid aldehyde, and it's not in yeah. that sense. It's it's not the green apple. Like, yeah, it's I not that. No, it's not skins. Yeah. Um, but it's yeah, really um, kind of lush but dry. Um, yeah, really, really spritzy, really fun on the palate. My sort of first taste, um, I did kind of get that that little bit of honey sweetness in the back there. Um, but I feel like once it kind of breathed in the glass, it just kind of um, lost that. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure maybe there's a word for it. And it's in like a floral note. So you get like the same that you get from the. Um, do you know when you put? Honey in hot water, you get a lot of the floral notes, but yeah, sweetness, it, that dissipates. It's a little, it's a little bit herbal kind of a thing, and that mm. I think in a lot of meads that stays around for, for for ages, and that's kind of well, maybe what's put me off some of them. But that that was just a touch at the start, and once it opened up, it was it was far too easy drinking. I was looking the at the clock. Was, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. Is that <laughs> well, just touch on that me. briefly as well. I noticed, Sean, you um, are going straight from the can. How like how are you? Uh, like, how is it designed to be consumed? Originally, when we started the meter, the business plan said, we're going to do this in 750ml bottles and we're going to make it sessionable and make it, like, similar to, like, you know, a Belgian table beer. Yep. Similar to that. Then cans became a thing. And a mobile canner started up here. I was like, well, that's a no-brainer. So pivoted to cans straight away. Um, so, uh, but at the same time, you know, as we're doing this, making sure that we're doing cans and 
getting these products out. Our third can release, which was Jam Session, which is now called Jammed, um, was just before COVID. So we basically went on in a holding pattern for about three to six months. Um, pretty much we, we made a couple of barrel aged things, but they're barrel aged, so they're sitting there. <laughs> um, that was that was pretty much on the cans. But then now we're just, we, we started with the cans, we started with silver, then we went to white because we prefer the white color. Um, but then I think mead, particularly in the lower alcohol and lower carbonation rate, or sort of lower carbon, and carbonated, is far better in a can than it is in a bottle or, well, kegs are fine, but in a bottle, 750 mil, or most likely 375 mil, which a lot of meteries are doing. Um, I feel that this is, this will get into people's hands, hmm. you know, and they'll drink it. Whereas the other ones are a different market. Yeah. You know, this, this is, I'm targeting craft brewers 100%. So, hmm. well, I mean, that's probably the space that makes the most sense, I guess. Like, if like seven fifty mil bottle going into like the sort of wine market is probably more challenging, I would imagine, right? Um. Well, yeah. I mean, you're you're you're, you're targeting wine drinkers, so you need yeah. to. Um, it feels like a larger bridge to um to cross to get to that market. I imagine. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, it was never a market that I was going to um, target. The so, main reason is because I'm a beer drinker. <laughs> so to come back to getting it in front of people, um, yeah, what's your approach? You know, you talked about people just don't know what it is. Um, you know, did you start by just rocking up at you know small bottle shops and saying, "Would you would you try this? Would you like to some, buy some of this?" Well, um, uh, a lot of people already knew me kind of through Artisan, helping them out with the with doing the beer to meal and things like that. Um, and because I already spruced my product effectively at these, at, at, you know, Freer Beer Fest or, you know, even Perth Craft Beer Fest, now Frothtown. Um, a lot of those was going to festivals and getting basically liquid on lips, getting people to try it, drink it, but also getting people in the industry to know what it was. Um, I remember sitting there trying to force feed Brendan Barris. <laughs> he told me to go away. Um, in well, there's more words than that, but you know it was, <laughs> you know it was. I'd already got that relationship with Brendan and St. John Stallworth and that through the the Homebrew Club. Hmm. So I was already dealing with them on that level rather than the other level. So then, but then when it came to tasting the product, so I, made, I remember making a ten percent hopped mead that was. On, it was sparkling in a 750 bottle. And I remember giving it to John. The first thing he said is, you need to make this and make it champagne carbonation and just sell it the way it is. Like, um, and that was just straight uh, Mandarin of Bavaria hop and nothing else. Um, hmm. But, you know. Is that, that good that, advice? That, sorry? Is that good advice? 100%. Um, yeah, cool. I, so, uh, I, I so put carbonation down a lot. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's, it's in cans now, so. Yeah, cool. Um, so that's John from Nail yeah. Brewing. Yes, Nail. Yeah. Yep. Um, and so now, like, how uh, you know you, you're in stores? You mentioned you're in BWS. Yes. So over that September, uh, the COVID period, we we're in talks with um, BWS about getting our product in. Um, in September, we sort of 
nailed that down to a point. But then obviously the end of the year came, so we that got drawn out and then more lockdowns and all the other stuff going on everywhere. Um, so we ended up being in the stores in May. So we have six, six SKUs in about 32 stores right now. Amazing. And that's growing every week. So Yeah, right. And that's got to like, you know, that says something about the, you know, the education or, or where people are at with their drinking where, you know, getting, I mean, I'd be terrified putting a pretty standard beer into a BWS, not knowing if people are going to know what it is. Um, I guess huh? maybe not so much now, but, you know, a couple of years ago. So the fact that people are picking up a mead on the shelves and going, oh, yeah, I'll give this a go, like that might say a lot about the current drinking market. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, it's very close to seltzers. Um, except we just use a different sugar, like pretty close. So do you reckon that's helped like that way um, helped? The mead, not, the I don't think, no, no, I don't think it's actually, I think it's sort of a side, they're, they're parallel um, because even I actually don't have the, the nutritional information on these, but they're, they're still pretty low. They're, they're unless we're, it's a, one of our sweeter ones, which is the, the Bicol, which is in the 750 all the rest are pretty low. They get down to, normally they're back sweet to about 10, 10, nothing higher. So, which is just semi-sweet in mead. Um, and then, yeah, it's just easy drinking. The whole point of it is mead for Australia to drink. And, you know, normally is fantastic in winter, but the others are all fantastic in summer, mm. especially jam. So this one that I've just opened uh, is a Braggot Nordic Storm. Yep. Uh, so, braggot. What is a braggot in your words? It's part beer, part mead. Half and half? No, okay. not legally in Australia. Oh, really? Australia's got some interesting rules around mead because you know, no one who's ever made mead properly has ever, mm, I guess, discussed anything with the ATO or anything like that. Um, it's always been handled by the winemakers and the cider makers. What's it considered and like tax-wise? Like uh, mead is wet, right? Oh, okay. So wine, yes. Interesting. All right. Um, and so I guess makes you cringe when you say that. But is that? <laughs> but does that make it? But it is so. Like, does that mean that you can? It's a wine. Uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Does that make it great to like educationally? Does that mean you can pour samples for people without having tax to free? having the tax? Yeah. <laughs> Depends on the state. Um, right? I know, like for instance, our facility here, we're actually licensed to do beer, wine, and spirits in this facility. But I know friend, uh, other meters in the East Coast that can only be a winery or only be a brewery. Um, okay. Whereas we can be pretty much all of it. Um, I just had to prove how I would make it. Um, that's all. So coming back to, to Braggot then, what is, so what's the, the ratio that you can have in, in a Braggot? I have to look at it off the top of my okay. head. <laughs> um, it, I know, it, I know, it was previous, previously something like, uh, like fifty-one, forty-nine percent for the longest time, but there was changes. Okay, and so, what's that? The uh, majority mead or majority mead? Okay, um, the, the, it all comes down to uh, volume of honey. Okay, all right. Um, 
So that looks pretty pale. I just saw loose glass. What's the um? What's the it's supposed word? to be a hazy um neighbor. It's hazy. No, it's hazy from. Yeah. From, right. Okay. The, the, the original it version looks a lot different on lot camera. Um, like what I'm seeing is bright orange. All oh, right. Okay. Um, and quite hazy. Whereas my camera looks like it's pretty pale. It looks hazy, but it looks very pale though. Yeah. So so yeah, what we so did is we it was a oh, yeah. base oh, yeah. mold of Marisota, um, and we mashed quite high so we could get a lot of uh, residual sugars um and uh bravo was our main hop um to give you an idea the first version of this was a bit more a, a lot more fruity a lot more azaka a lot more cascade i wanted to bring it back the other way and i went a bit too far so we're just dialing this one in properly because the whole thing is where do we want this one to sit on the palate um because that's probably a bit too dank and piney now whereas the other one was probably a bit too fruity so it's sort of trying to find that sweet spot where we want it to be. So if um, if Nipa beer-wise plays on the biotransformation of the hops during fermentation, how does that react with um, honey fermentation? It's the same thing. It's the hops. Same, same hops. Oh, I don't same understand. Like scientifically, it's probably the same. But I mean, the flavor-wise, what, 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 do you get any difference with that? Well, we made we did make one um, January in uh, January last year. January last year? Yeah, Nord Juice. Um, no, I was trying to think of what it was called when we did it. Um, but it's called Nord Juice. Um, effectively, it's the Viking that we have as a logo on things. Um, that was just honey and just hops, and the biotransformation happened in that, no problems. So we pitched the yeast and the hops at the same time, effectively. Very nice. Um, we did do yeah. a little bit of uh, a summarization of the hops, just a small amount of hops, Something like that. Uh, I think it was five liter, uh, five kilos in, you know, about fifty liters. Um, I summarized them for about half an hour, then put them into the tank. That was probably a bit too much. Um, so, I, I summarizing means heating them, heating them to get you know the alpha acids, the beta acids, all that sort of stuff out, so that I can have bitterness yeah. in the final product. Um, yeah, it was interesting because you don't have the the malt there to back up the hops and balance them out you've just got honey um the small amount of isomerization i did um in the fresh in the fresh mead was a smack in the face now it's mellowed out to the point where it just it's because we use lemon drop as well the and the yeast that we use which is a kabayak strain that's different again called evergarden that's a huge lemony citrus meat uh, yeast as well. So it's just this massive lemon bomb right in the face. <laughs> um, okay. It's, it's, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's none left, but we're going to make it again. It'll be our summer seasonal hazy. So. Um, I'm trying to think of drinking this now, What where it, where it sits, because there's a lot of familiar flavors in there, obviously, um, you know, being, being somewhat beer as well. But it, it almost... And I apologize if this is the wrong or bad thing to say, but I almost want to put some ice and a little bit of lime juice in here. <laughs> um, it's just got a really summery vibe to it. There's a little bit of um, like just that dry, almost tartness, a little bit of bitterness, a little bit spritzy. Um, I'm, I'm sort of getting a, a range of kind of citrusy fruits in there. Um, yeah, you want to make a summer really, cocktail really, out of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like there's... Yeah, as I said, like if you squeeze a lime juice, a sprig of mint, and a few ice cubes, you could hand this to most people at a party and say, "Hey, I've made you a drink," and they'd go, "Wow, great drink! I'll have another one." 
That's, that's um, interesting. I've never heard someone explain it like that. Like for, for, from the, for the braggart, at least. Um, all the other maids, easily, yeah. You can just yeah. some cocktails, no problems, any day of the week. Um, like, uh, particularly um, out the, the Pash, which is our passion fruit mead, that had so much passion fruit in it that, well, it's not that it had so much passion fruit. Because when mead, so when you ferment mead, the pH is a lot lower than a beer, usually. Because uh, beer, you're sitting around four point something um whereas wine or mead in this case is can get down to 299 um and that was what was happening with the pash um we obviously buffered that up a bit to make sure it wasn't so lip puckeringly sour um <laughs> but if you like sours that's a great great mead to try but it's all passion fruit it's not from it's, and the fermentation of course but it's not a lacto or anything like that it's just straight passion fruit sourness and you get a lot of like bitterness from the the skin tannins as well off of the passion fruit mm. and it's the same with our just peachy when when that's in can it's it's like the only way i can explain it is it's like you're eating a peach and you get peach fuzz that peach fuzz flavor like that particularly yeah. sort of note so um yeah i genuinely think these are delicious um and dave i might struggle to hand over the the cans that I've got here. See how we go. I'm charging <laughs> over. I'm charging over. No, nah, I definitely will hand them over because I, I, I think you'll really, really dig these. Um, we t- you talked about other meaderies in Australia. We mentioned um, Hunter and the Harp, Stone Dog. Um, those, you, you guys are kind of the three that I'm familiar with in terms of doing kind of modern takes. Is there anyone else that people should look out for? There's a couple. There's um, Bearded, Bearded Bee in um, Victoria as well. Um, a lot of their meads are more traditional, but they still do a lot of uh, traditional style meads. Like they do Viking, I think they do Vikings blood. They do a lot of. Uh, he talked about a Vegemite mead at one point. I'm like, you, you're nuts. Um, <laughs> but you know, it, it could be a thing. Um, hey, uh, meaderies love wait. Nordic themes. I mean, I get why, but like, it's, it's prevalent. It's it's, prevalent. It's, it's it's a problem with me, right? Like, I don't want to put Viking themes on this, but everyone knows what Viking is with mead. You know, sure, sure. It's it's we, like we did a. Um, I've got three. These cans. are the most. These are the most Viking products I've seen in my life. We we had a show. <laughs> yeah, <with> sorry. <laughs> I, I imagine it's probably not around anymore. But we we did a show with um, Smooth Beard about five. I do, or six I do remember ago. following those guys. Yep. Yeah, and I mean, like Smooth Beard. That's a bit tactile. Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. with with those meteries, what I noticed a lot of is they were targeting it from the wine angle. A lot yeah. of them always target from the wine angle. They never. But that was also the first like six um, percent carbonated mead that I had, and I was like, "Yeah, this makes this makes sense. This definitely yeah. makes mm. sense." Mm. Yeah, like all of ours all use our yeast. We we will occasionally use the wine yeast, but we haven't yet. Um, and it's particularly because I find the fermentation, the body of the meads are a lot more. Depending on the mead, it can be a lot more palatable to people. It's a lot more familiar. Um, Whereas I think some some of the wine yeast possibly strip some of the flavours of the honey as well, which you, mm, you yeah, possibly right. like the medicinal taste from. It really depends. Um, like with these kvikes, I'm I, I'm in I'm in love with them, and everyone's like, "Shut and shut up about kvike." Um, but you know, I've, I've had a lot of people say, you know, kvike beers, the, the kvike beers I've had, they're not very happy with, but they've had my meds are like. Your meads are great. It's, it's just this, okay, so what are you doing differently then? Because I've made braggots, I've made beers with it, and I've not had problems. 
So it's because I effectively smash wine making and brewing together to do what I do. So I take what I need from both, mostly brewing, um, but I take wine making techniques as well. So things like pump overs, that sort of stuff, which are what brewers are starting to do because I've noticed that. I know, I think Wildflower do things like that. And What's a pump over? So basically you take your um, master wort and pump it over the top. It degasses, it, you know, um, re- redistributes yeast, that sort of thing. Um, but it's usually done during fermentation for wine. So you don't do that with beer because of obviously oxidisation. Right. Um, hmm. It's almost like a sparge pre-fermentation, right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Okay. But it's you're using the 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 the, the wine or the must to do it. Yeah. Or the, or the, yeah. So with like with a braggot, I don't do that sort of technique. Um, a lot of my products I actually don't necessarily need to do it, but with say for instance the pash, I did need to do it because um, and, and with meads you get because there's a lot of simple sugars, you have a lot of activity. Uh, a lot of carbonation coming out of there. So slightly different to beers, uh, where they're, I'm not saying they're less carbonation. I'm just saying all the carbonation for me, or not carbonation, all the off-gassing is all at once, all at the same time, whereas beer is a bit more distributed over the time of the ferment. <laughs> um, Did you ever get your hands on um, an ugly duckling bracket yep. from uh, yep. Bridge Road? Guess what, what I, I mean? I, 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 I'm doing I, it right. Yeah, right. Oh, because I like... <laughs> I remember buying it, I don't know, 12 years ago. Does that sound about right? Sounds about right. Uh, yeah, yeah, actually, yeah. Something yeah, like that, yeah. And like, I remember thinking like, I'm I not knowing what it was. I was like, a 12% beer. What is this sorcery? And I don't, I have no recollection of what I, if I enjoyed it or what it was like. So do you remember? I remember buying it, it because so, so a lot of the things is, you know, when you make something like a beer or that, you always go, oh, I need to dr- t- try this style to sure. see how much yeah. I didn't have that with me. I went down to a meadery down here, not the one in Denmark, but the, the one that was in um, uh, just outside of Margaret River. Um, I can't remember there. What's the one in Denmark? I feel like we uh, had Bartholomew's. We had that. Yeah, yeah. yeah we had that. Yeah. yeah. So Bartholomew's, um, yeah, they're the ones down south. Um, there was another one in Carriedale. That's it, Carriedale. Uh, Blackwood Meadery, they no longer exist. Um, but they, they did a mead brew at 5%. Um, and I remember arguing with techniques and fermentation processes with him. Um, we were never going to agree. So, <laughs> um, but the, you know, he made some great traditional style meads, um, but his process was for, for me, from a commercial perspective, way too long. Right. Um, okay. Like a year ferment is no, it's no end. Like for a craft meadery, it's probably a bit too much unless you're making yeah, some right. aged. Um, so what was his what was his business that he was brewing? Black meat meat but like he was just making traditional meads. That's all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, know, like I remember when they were program. for sale, and I looked at the looked at the sale. And went, Do you know, what? I could just buy the meadery and just start now. I looked <laughs> yeah. at the, my homebrew kit's bigger than that. <laughs> so so <laughs> have they been just operating just forever? Um, I'm not sure exactly. I know that they're operating for a long time, and then I still can't worked. like wrap my mind around a year-long ferment. How that makes sense for any business? Oh, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I didn't need really to yeah, go right. too much into it with them. Um, I just uh, Dave, I'll introduce you to, left. To introduce you to a uh, little, little-known style of beer called Lambic. Sure, <laughs> who have all been operating for hundreds of years, so it makes yeah. a bit more sense. Yeah, no, no, they haven't all been operating for hundreds no, of years. Fair enough, yeah. I won't yeah. tell you that I made one of my last one of my, I will, <laughs> one of the last 
meads that I made was a braggot. Was a Oud Brun braggot. Okay. Nine percent. I still. And how did that turn out? A little bit too. Um, I was. I think it was horse. A little bit too horsey. Um, okay. But other than that, it was. I enjoyed it. <laughs> a lot. A lot of homebrewers enjoyed it. Some not so much, but you know, it was, it was a balancing act of the honey versus malt, and obviously all the other. It's things. it's interesting, and I guess speaking to Lambic, I was speaking to someone about Lambic recently. Um, at, that's really involved in the Belgian Lambic scene and also the American beer scene, and we were kind of talking about the hybridization of of drinks, um, and I know it's a conversation that people have had here in Australia. Um, and you know, behind me, I think on the video there, there's the Shiraz grape, um, the Green Ravens, whatever that one is, yeah, yeah, Negroni well, he, Shiraz oh, grape. Right in the Sullivan, he was in the club when I was there. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, he, was a, he was a secretary. Yeah, when I started. Um, <laughs> and so this is the like collab with Four Pillars. You know, they're using the the was used in the the gin. The, the grapes were used in the gin, yeah. and then the beer was was rested on top of the the spin and like. You're thinking about you're talking about um, you know Udbrun style mead braggots, um, and you know I think that kind of hybridization of drinking means people are probably going to be more open to you know the style of mead that you're doing and going yeah oh yeah of course I'll try that why would like who doesn't want to try that and you say you know homebrewers all loved it and like even if it was <laughs> yeah <not> right. <laughs> Homebrew is going to be like, oh, of course I'm going to try that. That sounds like well, a lot of fun. Do, do you know what I find? The reason why, you know, and I've told this to so many mead makers, the reason why I target the craft beer market is because everyone who drinks craft beer is open to trying new things. Simple as that. The thing is, everyone assumes what meat is before they've tasted it. That's the, that's the problem. It's not like they, they know what beer is. They know what wine is. And they know what craft beer is because it's taken that it's taken so many years to actually people know what craft beer is or boutique beers, <laughs> if you want to call it that. I hate that word. <laughs> but the meat is it's still an unknown to a lot of people, and you know I, I, we've just put on our um, sales guy or salesperson um, who's going to start basically we'll be going to every single bottle shop stop sh- shop. And doing tastings because we have to, um, and it's mainly because liquid on lips, cans in hands. Um, That's great. That's great. Both female and male. It does, it's, it's actually apart from the artwork design, which we need to make more, I guess, even. Um, I think the I think the artworks. Like, I don't know. Well, like it, don't get me wrong, but like that, I don't know how. Well, like um, looking at Nordic Storm, like it's a lovely mean. blue color, like blue and yellow looks great. Yeah. And, you know, while I said it was the most Viking product I've ever, I've ever seen, that certainly wasn't a um, insult because it's the design yeah, it's, is, is it's really striking, good. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, yeah like it's one colourful. Of my, and... One of my homebrew friends, uh, Eric from Conning Design, he did this. <laughs> he did. He's done all our artwork. He's a great. He actually makes a great cider as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, like in terms of how it presents on the shelf, it, it, it's eye-catching and it, it, yeah. it looks like something you'd recognize as a, a beer or something, but you, it doesn't look like a beer. Yeah, it doesn't, but it does. It's, it, it, that's yeah. the whole point, right? Because um, where do we put us on the, on the shelf as well? In a bottle shop, there's no mead shelf. 
So where do you end up on the shelf? It depends on the bottle shop. <laughs> where um, do you want to be? Sometimes we've been with the gin products. Sometimes we've been with the seltzers. Sometimes we've been with beer. What I find, what, what we've been telling people is Nordic Storm needs to sit with beers. Everything else can sit between cider and beers or seltzers in that range, okay. generally. And do they follow? Do the shops follow that? Direction? Yeah, generally, yeah. Okay. And they, they find it. It depends on the store which, which, as to which one moves the fastest, that sort of thing. But we're we're still learning because effectively we've, we're not following anyone really because we've got no one to follow apart from the what's happening in America. Um, even what is happening in America. Different culture. Sorry. What is happening in America? Because I guess we did a Moonlight Meadery show, uh, yep. and they certainly is probably the more traditional, um, a lot sweeter and, and carbonated. But certainly, sorry, uncarbonated. But certainly in that new world of attention to mead. Yeah. So um, in in the US, there's a lot a lot a lot more meaderies like like Moonlight. Um, I think I met Michael around the same time you did. Uh, yeah. Right. Okay. Because he was here for, for it, the. Uh, AABC conference and he brought his stuff up, stuff across from the US. Sorry, no, it's for the Homebrewers Conference. That's it. A A N H C. Yeah, A N H C. Yeah, yeah. And his meats, like, don't get me wrong, they were gorgeous. Oh, they were like eye opening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That um, that Kurt's apple pie was. I was like, I don't know what's going on here, but like, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the only other one I know is, is Shram's Meadery as well, which is. I don't know, three or four years ago when I was really paying attention to what's happening in America, that was kind of like some of their bottles were the most sought-after bottles. I think they still are. He's somewhat of the godfather of mead, um, particularly okay. for the US. Like, <laughs> he, he fruits his meads like some of these fruited sours that are coming out at the moment. Um, you know, it's equivalent 50-50 liquid versus fruit, <laughs> um, that sort of stuff. And honey's in there somewhere. Um, yeah. <laughs> And and so is that what's happening in the US now? Is a lot of heavily well, actually, or do, do you know? Well, the, the, with the with the, the way mead's moving in the US, what what I've seen is a lot of meaderies in the US have come from the home brewing background, um, and they've all got that community, that craft beer community around them. Um, here in Australia, there's really myself, Joel, Steve, um, that have come from a home brewing background. Um, and there's equivalent meaderies in the US now to breweries we have in Australia, like craft breweries. Is that right? As in, in terms of volume? In wow. terms of amount of meaderies, yeah. Um, yeah since yeah. like 20, 20, I'd say 2014. Since 2014, it's been growing like exponentially. Well, they're doing like a ridiculous amount of meaderies per day um, opening up. And so, and does, does that align with craft beer? Yeah, yeah, it has. yeah. Over okay. there, it has, yeah. Okay. Um, over here, I don't think so because we haven't had the following for mead because effectively we're a far hotter country um, and everyone always seems that mead, thinks that mead is sickly sweet and 14%. Right. And they always so put mead on the back shelf waiting for winter. An educational shift is what There's a lot of education, yeah, which right. is what happened with the homebrewers over there. They had the education piece. Yeah, okay. so it's partially what Steve, myself, and Joel are doing. Um, the education. So, um, thinking of the education, we've got a lot of commercial and homebrewers that listen, and if they've come out of this and gone, "Oh shit, maybe I'll make a mead," where do they start? What do they do? Use nutrients. 
Make a beer, make something like a beer. Uh, basically, it's honey, water, yeast, and nutrients. Do not use raisins. Raisins are not nutrients. I'll say that. I'm not going to say any more about it. I rant about oh, it. That, 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 um, that's something that comes up in the, the home fermentation world is raisins yeah. and everything. And well, like, raisins are just dried grapes when you think about it. So there's yeah. just sugar in them, nothing else. Um, in fact, I think there was, someone did a test in the, uh, in the US about mead. Um, uh, they basically said, we'll test nutrients, we'll test raisins. And they did just a straight raisin mead. How many raisins we needed to get to this amount of nutrients? And it was just, it was just a raisin mead. At the end of the day, <laughs> the amount that they have to use. So, so where do I go for information then? Like, what's the what's the, the Facebook there's, group? There's plenty of groups. There's the Modern Mead Makers, which is the US based group, and then there's Aussie Mead Makers, which is the Australian based home 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 brewers group, um, and then there's Mead Australia, which is you might see on the can um, the MA logo. Effectively, that's the IBA of Mead. Oh yeah. <laughs> So we, along, us, along with um, Stone Dog, um, Amrita Park, Bearded Bee, a bunch of other meteries. So if you hop on the Meet Australia webpage, you'll be able to see all the meteries. This will... Um, I can't see the logo. Oh, no, there it is. It's on, yeah, that it's on the corner, yeah. Every one of the cans, it'll be sitting there. Um, so basically, it's, it's Meet Australia. There's Wine Australia, there's Cider Australia, there's Meet Australia. And that's awesome. Yeah. Um, you know, we've said we've sent emails out and that sort of stuff to try and get meteries involved. And it really depends on what they want to do. And because of the way our meteries are based here in Australia, where it's either a beekeeper making mead or having a winemaker make their mead, it's a different sort of um, it's different to brewers joining. Yeah, that's, that's, that's what we found when we did our research, what, six years ago or seven years ago, whatever it was like. S- Seven years ago. There was probably like a dozen places that you could buy a mead product from and two of them were like legitimate meaderies. And one was in, yeah, Denmark, as you say. Like it was tough. It was tough to get our hands on anything. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Good to see more of Um, it. If you, before we wrap up, I guess if you're ever in Melbourne, uh, let us know and dip into the cellar and, and grab that. Mountain View mead and oh, see how it holds up. I've got a bunch of the wildflower, the, the wildflower uh, beers with the honey and that I've got the, the oh, yeah. three batches. I want to try them side by side. <laughs> um, before we wrap up as well, where do people get information about your meadery? So uh, we have a Facebook page, Erosion Meadery. Um, and we also have uh, Instagram, Erosion Mead. Um, at one point, we were the biggest meadery on Instagram. Hey, who oh, overtook yeah. you? Oh, all the Americans went up on a podcast over there. Uh, <laughs> I hopped on a podcast over there a few years back. And uh, yeah, it's, I, I said, yeah, I do this Instagram, this and that and the other. And then all of a sudden I just saw them go, do, 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 do. You know, social media is a thing, right? So, And and you've kind of alluded to uh, that you're going to be making products other than meat at some point. Yes, uh, should people keep an eye out for those, or oh, no, really we'll, we'll put all those up on our Facebook page and um, and Instagram? Um, what is we it do have Twitter, but I barely use it. You might see untapped posts for some reason because I haven't unlinked it. Uh, <laughs> There's no reason to be on Twitter anymore. Don't worry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right, Sean, let me ask you this question: When do you get released from your holding cell? There. What's Sorry? going on? Put a picture up there. It this looks is like an office. 
I'm barely in here. And now that we've, we've, we've got our first employee effectively outside of me, I'm like, I need to keep this place a bit cleaner. Uh, it's not <laughs> always anymore. It's an office. Get a, get a logo up, get something, get your label yeah, yeah. frame. Some, something get, in the background. Come on. There. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Blow that up, um, frame get, it. Amazing. Get, yeah. I actually, no, I actually did lose my erosion flag. I forget where I put it. Um, <laughs> I watched oh, it yeah, I had a beer flag. on it one day after a festival. And yeah, I've lost it. <laughs> that would be perfect. That would be perfect. Um, but yeah, if anybody yeah. has any questions on how to make mead, uh, I mean, I'm not going to go into full detail on my particular, you know, production. But if you I'm want to do it at home, though, like what's your basic setup to get going at home with making mead? Oh, if you've got a home, if you've got a brewery, like a home brewery, like a home, yep. brewery, like just normal brew kit, all you need is a fermenter, clean water, honey, and the yeast and the nutrients. That's it. And then you can use the rest of your setup as normal. Nutrients could buy them at the home brew store. What, are, what am I asking for? Yep. So why yeast? Um, why yeast beer nutrient? Why nutrient? Um, I don't know what the exact uh, ratios are in those because they're. Um, I think we've, I know I've asked questions. I know other meat makers have asked questions of exactly what's in there. Um, it's a proprietary thing or something. Um, but yeah, any any nutrients that's not raisins is better than none. Um, and I'd also say use eucalyptus honey and use kvike yeast if you can. And let it free rise. Don't temperature control it. Hmm. Ferment them at 36 degrees. I don't think we can get 36 that's degrees for a few months here. Yeah. At no, 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 but that's, no. you know, it's like, <laughs> you, know the, the, you know, if you treat it right, then you'll have what you've got there, which is normie or any of the others. Because um, so like in WA, temperature, like, like temperature control is cooling it down, I assume. That's about it at the moment. Um, it's that's still pretty cool out there at the moment. I had the aircon on before. Um, but on the East Coast, would we need to heat it up to get a good ferment? Um, depending on the volume that you're doing, like the Kavak is going to warm itself up anyway, yeah, <laughs> um, just by the volume. Um, like uh, I, I had a ferment going here the other day and we were sitting around 25, 26 from that was actually, that wasn't Kavak. That Ooh. was Yeah, right. That's good um, sourdough temperature. That's, that's, that's yeah, is it, yeah, nice. you know, just keep keep it at a nice temperature. Keep keep the nutrients there, and you've got a nice clean ferment generally. Um, unless you use peaches, and then it's just peach farts. <laughs> uh, speaking of sourdough, Dave, uh, you sent me a photo of a gorgeous looking loaf that you made. Flying. Uh, what temperature yeah. do you keep your starter at? How do you keep it warm? Uh, I keep it warm over a. I've got like a uh, freestanding island bench that sits over a ducted heating vent and I just pop yeah, it on nice. the bottom shelf there. And uh, with the house at about 18 degrees, that proximity to the vent keeps it at like a ripe temperature to keep that uh, those suckers healthy and happy. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I will know, and this doesn't mean anything for anyone listening, but the, the slash technique for that ear yeah. looks like it's on point. I feel like you've got a lot of put a lot yeah, of work into your slash. Um, it was the chef show episode with um, what's his name from Tartine. What's his name? Tartine loaf. Oh yeah, the Tartine sourdough book. Yeah, Famous. exactly. So yeah. that bloke, he was just like absolutely ninja slashing his dough. So I was like, <laughs> I was like, I was trying to do like such like pretty scoring on mine, and then he's just like going whoop whoop. 
I'll try that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Alex, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of deep, but your, yours inspired me to like go super deep next just time. Just do so like a quick, aggressive slash with it. Yeah. Fuck yeah. 45 degree that. angle, I reckon, on your blade and just like hit it. Sean, you ever made sourdough? It's one of those things that I haven't had a chance to do yet. I love, I love fermenting everything, you know, like with whatever, yeast, bacteria. Like I've done, <laughs> to give you an idea, I did a 100% Brett Mead. It tasted like a Chenin Blanc. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. There's no long chain sugars for it. It's all simple. Nice. Make that again. Yeah, yeah. I want, I, I <laughs> yeah, there's lots of weird things. I did make a wild mead once. That was a interesting sock ferment. Um, <laughs> but, you know, there's plenty of options. Plenty of options in Australia. We've got so many honeys to make mead from. So, Oh, let me ask you this uh, question. Let's just, just call back briefly. So my experience mm-hmm. of tasting honey is going to Beechworth. And Beechworth honey, they've got, I don't know, 30 different kinds of honeys. Jarrah isn't one of them. What sort no, of flavor profile? Of course. So what, what sort of fl- flavor profile uh, are you, <laughs> you getting from Jarrah? I can't remember off the top of my head. Oh, okay. Um, All right. That, that's one of, the, one of the things that Meat Australia is trying to do is get it like a honey profile list just so we can go, this is honey, this is what you're going to get from the ferment sort of thing. Yeah, right. Um, but there's a lot of work there um, to get all that sort of stuff done for meat. Yeah, fair enough. Hey, um, we've just got a question from the chat that, uh, is my Instagram page where I just shared a picture that didn't actually work. Instagram's been quite buggy lately. <laughs> but um, someone on Instagram just said uh, they were told to check these guys out. Where can I find them in Melbourne? I'll yeah. send you stuff. Come on to our website. I'll send you stuff. It's fine. <laughs> At the moment, we're right. still looking. Um, so I have let people know. People do know. Ben. <laughs> I don't know if the Carwin team listen. Uh, no, I'll, 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 I hope so. Like my local bottle, though. So please, I'm more than happy um, to send meat across. It's not a problem. Um, we actually got discounts on at the moment on our site. So happy yeah, to, I sent so many off today. Actually, it wasn't funny. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of our a lot of our product goes to Queensland and New South Wales, and Victoria really? is sort of coming up now. Why does Queensland want it? I mean, not I no idea. Idea. to comment on the meat, no but like it just seems like an odd location to be the um, there. Are, there's a, there is a homebrew, the homebrew group over there do do a lot of meats. Yeah, right. Um, okay. More so than any of the others. Um, and they, I know that they do a lot of meat judging as well. Okay. So, All right. Well, that makes sense. All right. Yeah. That's the only thing I can think. Anything else? I have no idea. <laughs> um, Dave, where do people find you on the internet? At MelDave on Twitter, send me an email, davidalvertime.com. Yeah. Whatever you want, I don't care. So just send me something. Send, send David or with some spam if, you, if you've got it. I don't, I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> just send him mead related memes. Yeah. Done. Some mead memes. I love a mead meme. We <laughs> just started another group, if, sort of like a, a Aussie mead makers, but it's erosion specific. So um, it's called Erosion Mediators. Um, it's Erosion Mediator on Facebook. But yeah. Um, erosion Mediator sounds basically like it's sort of a fan page slash we'll talk about making meads and how to do things on there. It's a the cool whole... name as well. And, yeah. and there are some mead memes in there? Oh, sure. Why not? I mean, it's sort of a anything goes. I'm, keep I'm going to try erosion somewhat, but don't. It's really, you know, us specifically. If, if, between, if between now and when I forget about this. I'll send you a word. Uh, well, no, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. I might try and make a mead meme. 
I'm going to try and come up with a fun mead meme and I'll join the Facebook group and post it. Um, people can get me at Isle of a Time on all social media. Uh, the hypothetical institute, we are talking about magnets on our next episode. Uh, people have been getting vaccinated and then magnets are sticking to them. I actually heard that, yeah. Mine didn't stick to me and because then, I had a shirt on. Well, yeah, you, you might have you might have got the saline. You might have got the fake vaccination. Yeah, the the Pfizer saline vaccine, yeah. Yeah. Um, people are also noticing it's sticking to meat. Uh, if you want to see some videos of that, uh, check out Hypothopod on Twitter uh, for people trying to stick magnets to meat. Uh, I lost a lot of faith in humanity researching this one. So uh, tune into the Hypothetical Institute for that episode coming up this week as well. Uh, thanks, thanks everyone, for, for listening. And, Thank you, um, Sean. That was a ripper. Yeah, thanks, Sean. Hey, I've got plenty more made knowledge there. I can talk way longer. <laughs> I will talk later. <laughs> but if anybody's got questions, just let me know. I'm happy to chat. Thanks so much, Sean. <laughs> <laughs>